This is So You Can Heal with Josh and Abby. I'm Josh, a licensed social worker and therapist at Still Point. And I'm Abby, a licensed mental health counselor and therapist at Still Point as well. Josh, it's great to be here with you today. You too. So, yeah, it's been kind of a crazy week. The holidays coming and yeah. And lots of changes with the holidays. That uncertainty popping up and a lot of insecurity and how to move forward. And I'm finding that people are really feeling stuck. Stuck is probably the best way to describe where a lot of people are right now. People have been saying that they feel like things aren't getting any worse right yet, but things are not getting any better either. So, And people are wondering what to do. Do we ignore it? Do we pay more attention to it? It's really hard to know what balance or boundary to keep. I mean, hell, even in a good time, it's hard to know what boundaries to keep and Absolutely. And this kind of brings up our first question of how often do I need to be working on feeling safe and secure? And today we're going to be talking about specifically in connection, in our relationships, in our communities. So definitely the between and among, not the within piece. Mm -hmm. And How often do I need to work on feeling safe, secure, and connection? Always. (laughs) Always? Always. I mean, it is a practice. It's a practice about moving toward possibility over and over and over again, intentionally making the choice to stay on a current path or to choose a different one. And whatever you're deciding internally, we will always be making a choice, whether that is known or unknown to us. And it is up to us to intentionally show up with whatever choice we're making. And I think it's really hard sometimes, especially when we don't know that we're choosing something and we're trying to show up differently. And, or we end up showing up differently because of wounding or whatever. And that can create conflict. So feeling safe and secure in a connection is in large part our job. And the rest of that work is our partner's work to show up and be, whether that is supportive, empathetic, validating, whatever those things are to help us feel present to them and them to us in certain situations so that we can feel safer, but feeling safe is up to us. And the security piece of that is when both of us are working to maximize each other's safety so that we can be secure in that connection. Like I said, like it is something that you are going to have to do over and over and over again. I mean, sure, that security will start establishing, but like it is constantly making that choice to show up in a certain way so that that security can maintain and or increase in some capacity. Yeah. And I think when the security increases, you are then looking at an opportunity for stability. 
And for me, the stability is that consistency in that practice. Yes. And doing it over and over and over again. If it's giving life, vitality, love in those relationships until something changes. And then you have to become more aware of what's needed or how to move forward. Josh, as you were talking, I was thinking about like people walking like on a trail or a path together. And I think of the defenses as we think we have to carry around like this bag of rocks or this bushel of sticks, but we're carrying these on this journey or this path with these people who we hopefully are choosing to walk this path with. And if we're in our primal brains, we are always looking out for danger. We're looking at who or what to throw our rocks at or who to use our sticks on. And we are not present to where we might be going or even who we're walking with. If we're always looking out for that, that danger or in that state of fear. So in order to cultivate the connection we strive for, or that we're looking for and create a practice in that we have to move beyond that feeling of fear creating those moments of safety and doing it repetitively to become more secure and move into stability. And it usually takes an act outside of ourselves. So we actually have to do something. And I think that can be very challenging for people because then if we don't know what to do, we start throwing our rocks and hitting people with our sticks, even if we don't mean to. So what I'm hearing you say is that I can't just think about doing these things. I actually have to do them. Yes. I'm sorry. Mm. (laughs) I don't want to. But yeah, I completely agree. Kind of reminds me of that saying, you can wish in one hand and poop in the other. (laughs) You have to actually do something about it. Yeah. It's interesting when I... I'm driving Leo to school. I notice that I have a lot of thoughts. And so I'm just like thinking inside my head instead of talking to him. And so I've had to become more present to what is actually going on around me because I want to have that experience of connection with him. And sometimes I have to give myself things to do in order to cultivate that connection. And so one of the things that we do is I like to give him a word that describes him. And every day he wants that word to be curious, which I love. Like I will affirm curiosity in him every single day. And I I like to add to it as well. And so today's, this morning's word was open because I wanted to add on to that concept for him that in our, in our family, we value openness. Like we not only invite curiosity, but We value openness. We want you to experience openness. We want you to know like how people are different or how you're different than other people and how that's a good thing. I like that you're speaking those things into him. I don't know. I just think that's a powerful thing. And I just started recently doing that because I had heard that speaking the value that you see in your child, like out loud or into that person helps build that sense of integrity and the things that you want them to learn instead of the things that they might 
see or witness us doing, which yes, I do tell him no. And I do tell him not to do things. (laughs) Sure. But I want to speak something else into him too. But I have to work hard at that. It's not easy for me. And I think that's the part of practice that is most challenging is that you do have to move past whatever is keeping you stuck in order to do something different. And that can be scary because sometimes in our stuckness, we feel safe. Mm, Tell me more. Keeps us from having to be vulnerable and putting ourselves out there in fear of being rejected or hurt or looked down on, shame, blamed, or criticized. And so a lot of that stuckness comes from like an insecurity of some sort. And one thing that was shared with me from a therapist, and one thing that I share often in and out of the therapy room is the idea of how easy it is to be stuck in a pattern of doing something and how hard it can be to break that pattern. Um, Because our neural, I mean, it's all neural pathways, like habits, all of it, like it's our neural pathways I liken to road systems. So the more frequently we do something, I kind of see it as an interstate. So we jump on and we go like 70, 80, however fast. So, but when we try to start doing something new, it's like, driving on a country road or an unpaved country road at that. Like you are kind of blazing this trail on your own. And it's going to be really easy in that process to jump back onto the interstate and do what you've always done. Whereas it takes an intentional thought and action in order to go to that new way of doing things, that new road, whether that is just two little dirt lines that your car wheels are going down until you wear that road down enough to where you're able to start paving it. And then you may have like a city street. And then the more you drive down it, then maybe it becomes a highway. Eventually it will become an interstate, but that's going to take a long time for that new way of doing something to truly be that automatic response like that interstate. And I think like one of the biggest things that I try to help people take away from that is, is one, like our old ways of doing things are habitual at this point. It's going to take a lot of compassion as we try to change some of these things to recognize that, yes, I'm back on my 65 or back on my interstate. Like, where's my first exit? Might it take us longer to get there? Sure. But it's going to give us the result that we're wanting and allow us to live with that integrity of doing what it is that we feel we should be doing. And to recognize the effort that we put in to making those changes and to be proud of ourselves when we're actually able to do those things. So yeah, I think that the reality of shifting from one way of doing things 
to another can be really challenging, especially depending on the background and what it is that you're wanting to do. And to be gentle with yourself in that process and to recognize that we don't have to beat ourselves up if we jump back onto our old interstate because like it's what we've done for so long. Like, yeah, your brain's going to want to go there because it's what it normally always does. And just being kind enough to yourself to be like, okay, where's my exit? And sometimes your exit is literally just saying, okay, I'm on 60, I'm, 65 is the interstate around where I live. So every, if you hear me say 65, I just mean interstate. <laughs> so I jump on the interstate and I look for my first exit. I'm like, okay, I'm back up here again. And sometimes my first exit is just taking a deep breath or... You might have to pull over to the side of the road. Yeah. I mean, it's just surveying where I'm at, what's going on, recognizing what I want to be doing and finding a way to get there. And I think there is a big distinction between the highways that we are aware enough and choose to build versus the patterns other people impacted like how they were built or like when we were younger um, because we don't build roads by ourselves when we're younger. Sure. And so sometimes like those roads may have never gotten paved or if we are on someone else's road, because I think there's a big difference in, in that choice of what we build or how we look back or how we gain awareness versus how others might force that choice on us. And I do want to add maybe a slightly different view on stuckness because I think stuckness can also be utilized to mean like a warning sign or like a signal to gain awareness and so that we can evolve, change, and become more whole. It doesn't feel like that, but I think there is possibility in stuckness that a lot of times we miss. And for me, it's that signal of a discrepancy between what we have experienced or learned versus what we are actively engaging with. And what I mean by actively engaging with is like what we're presently sensing, like our present thoughts, feelings, and actions. And based on if it's compared to something in the past, we're looking at a wound that is being revealed or it's like festering with discomfort and it's telling our bodies, our minds that we need to do something different. Yeah. I see stuckness as a fear response to being vulnerable because when we've been vulnerable in the past, we've maybe shared more of ourselves than we ever have before. And I got really hurt and I don't see how things can get any better than what they were or so I just have to be okay with things being shitty now. And that stuckness is one's own way of protecting their vulnerability again. So it's how people protect their vulnerability or think that they have to. Yes. It's like carrying that bag of rocks or that bushel of sticks. So Abby, like, What does being stuck even look like? So when people experience stuckness, when I've experienced stuckness, 
it is excruciatingly painful. And I think it can be like this lull discomfort. I think it can be like a very sharp, painful experience emotionally or sometimes even physically. And it's our body's way, it's our mind's way of telling us that we have come across something that we are wounded in or that we are becoming wounded in. And so if I think about the thoughts that pop up for people, people believe that they will never be enough. And so if that's replaying over and over again, there is this constant experience of an altered reality or an old reality instead of what is presently occurring. And if I think about feelings that show up, I think of grief, that this loss will never leave me, that I will continuously carry this with me for the rest of my life. And if if I think about actions, I mean, we take all sorts of actions or ignore actions that do not allow us to move forward. So if I just keep ignoring this bill, then it will go away. In the sensory experience, a lot of times we feel it in our chest, our stomach, kind of that automatic reaction when our bodies are trying to tell us that something is wrong. And so maybe after talking to a friend or a family member, your stomach starts hurting and you think that you will never feel good when you are trying to connect with them. And so to me, an experience of stuckness is miserable and it keeps us from accepting our reality. Yeah. I read an article by Mark Chernoff that is titled The 15 Things Stopping Us from Moving Forward. And a lot of the things that you just talked about were in there. Like we change nothing and hope for a different result. Like we keep doing the same thing. We keep jumping on our old interstate hoping that we're going to get to a different destination or we wait around for the right time. If you can't see my air quotes, then I'm doing air quotes for us to actually be able to do something different or we like the rejections or the fallbacks that we've had from yesterday we focus on today. So we can't like let ourselves move past like what we perceive as failure which kind of goes into like that perfectionism piece. Like if it's not perfect, then I'm going to freak out. So we keep running ourselves in circles, looking for this idea that's not really even attainable, which in some ways in that, like we close our minds off to what, what could be possible. And I mean, I'm not going through all of these, but like the other two that I really found important was that we hold on to the idea of things that are not true and not taking small steps. So a lot of it is about the stories that we've created within ourselves that we can't seem to look beyond and not being willing or able in our own feeling of grief and loss of what was that we can't see that taking the small steps to move forward would be beneficial. I mean, because to get where we want, a lot of times, like it's going to take hundreds of small steps to get there. Like we don't go from a dirt road to an interstate in the blink of an eye. Like it's a bunch of small things. You've got to dig things up. You've got to start or first you've got a plan. Like how do we need this road to go? like from where to where, like point A, point B, like there's a lot of planning and a lot of getting materials and getting workers. I mean, in, in that, like 
in doing these things and making these changes, like we are going to need to know how to plan this out. Like we've got to get focused a little bit. We may need someone there to help us. I mean, and that was another kind of disclaimer that I've put in my stuff this week. Like if this stuff is too difficult for you by yourself, seek a professional. Like some of this stuff is really, really hard. But there is help out there. And getting help does not mean that you are less of a person or that you're weak or that you're a failure or all of those things. Like, no, we all need help. But yeah, if it wasn't for my own therapy throughout my life, I would probably be intolerable to some people. And as you were talking about, like, looking at those first steps or making those little steps or asking for help. I think that there, it goes back to your definition of stuck, which is that fear of vulnerability Yeah. and talk about being vulnerable to even think about asking someone for help or to make that first step in asking for help. And a lot of times people put, put themselves through a lot of pain and suffering and agony before they will ask for help. It's interesting when I think about the highway metaphor, I think about like even just filling potholes, I would have no concept of how to fill a pothole. I might get some sand and put it in the hole, which wouldn't work. Or maybe some gravel. It would work for a minute. And people do that too. I mean, we do that all the time. We call it band-aiding, right? Yeah. Band-aiding bullet holes. (laughs) Yeah. And I've also found that sometimes the people who struggle asking for help are those who feel that what they are experiencing, the hurt, the pain, the loss is what they deserve. Mm. I feel like that is one of the biggest hurdles to get over is if you feel that you deserve this pain. Yeah. And I think that's why I've, find it so fascinating and interesting and important that the things that you're doing with Leo, because you are speaking into him, the things that he is worth and deserves. Yeah. So how do we get unstuck then? Well, I think there's two ways I can answer this. I can answer this in the professional way, or I can answer this in a very real way. The very real way is that people just start somewhere. They start smashing up the road. They might just start doing random things without a plan. And that energy or that courage that shows up, like I better do something now before I don't do it. And so a lot of times it looks really messy in the beginning. I mean, the professional answer is, well, you know, you calm yourself, you ask for help, you listen to that person, you know, you take into account all of these different variables and you make a calculated decision, but it usually doesn't look like that. No, like theoretically, that sounds great. Theoretically, it sounds great. (laughs) But I think a big part of it is even if we can't believe it in that moment, but to recognize that we can experience something differently than what we have been. And I think that's huge to even have an ounce of awareness that things could be different. 
And that's where like, we talk a lot about openness, curiosity, just noticing things in order to start building that. It, it is a paradigm shift to look at what's possible instead of focusing on the pain that you're experiencing. And like going to a professional, especially if it's really hard, is aligning yourself with someone who's able to hold that space and possibility for you Mm -hmm. until you can for yourself. And I think that's really important. Yeah. And it also brings up that value of that you don't have to do it alone. I mean, because like all of us are stuck in some way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't even know we're stuck until we can see it. And even then, like, we don't always know. And I also think in having that other person to witness your experience and to help you notice the things that you do have, because a lot of times we miss those when we are experiencing discomfort and pain. And so to notice that we have a certain form of resiliency or that we do have the capability of being vulnerable or that look at this courage that you have shown to notice the ways that you have taken care of yourself or that you've showed up for others. It reinforces that ability and that consistency in moving forward. It, it brings up something else we wanted to talk about today, which was how to move forward or towards stability, even when things are changing. Josh, how do you help people experience that in a partnership? For partnerships, I use Imago, which is relationship therapy, whether that's a couple or whatever. I even use it for individuals, honestly, because I think it is really good at getting to the wound and kind of focused on only one person's experience at a time. And by truly hearing what is being shared even if we don't always agree with what's going on or what's happening, we're still able to hold that space, truly being present to the other's experience. What about you? I'm glad that you brought up Imago in working with partners and providing that foundation for stability. Because a lot of times when we're building those new roads, we do need guidelines in order to create consistency with one another. And that's really where I like to start to create that consistency in approach because people can learn what to expect from you. They can better acknowledge what you're speaking or expressing in a formatted or contained space. And it also helps contain the pain or the feelings or the discomfort that a person might be experiencing into a planned setting because a lot of times we throw around our words and our feelings and it can become very confusing and that disruption does not add to stability and i also think as we practice we also get to express with humility and for me that means to speak to what you know and to admit what you don't 
And that helps evaluate the next step. And you get an opportunity to learn what that experience is like for the other person. I mean, with the caveat of this is not focusing on the partner, especially if you're doing this by yourself, like you are focusing on you and your experience and your experience alone, rather than your partner or the story that you've created or the projection you have of your partner in that situation. And that is really hard, especially if we are stuck in a certain cycle or pattern of engaging with each other. Like we all form those behaviors because of that fear of the vulnerability. Josh, how can appreciation promote that stability and connection? Well, I think that appreciation is an easy way to establish positive connections with one another and yourself. I mean, for me personally, like I don't think that there's much greater things than being appreciated for the things that I'm doing, like it makes you feel seen, it makes you feel validated that the efforts you're putting in are making an impact. I mean, and I do think that there is a difference between appreciation and gratitude. But before we get into that, like, how do you feel appreciation impacts stability? I see appreciation as sharing what I value in someone else, what I see in them, and it is turning to that possibility. And I also think that there's a different lens of appreciation in that if I can see what they want me to value them in, can deepen that connection even more. So things that like wouldn't be as significant to me, but learning what is significant to that person. And even if I don't understand it, giving that to them in a meaningful way, I think can be very powerful in validating what they give or who they are. And it's known in the relationship. And that really reminds me of how you're saying that of the five love languages specifically, Mm. like how our partner receives love, whether that's quality time, gifts, physical touch. I don't remember the other two off the top of my head, but words of affirmation and acts of service. Yeah. Cause a lot of times we give what we think would be good to receive. Mm Mm-hmm. Versus what our partner actually wants to receive. So true. (laughs) And you can give in both ways, but I think it is important to learn how your partner wants to receive because secretly that ties back into a wound usually. And so you can help them heal. I mean, so for like gratitude and appreciation for me, like I see gratitude more of like being in a state of being thankful and a readiness to show appreciation where an appreciation is the actual act of recognizing and expressing the enjoyment of the good qualities in oneself or another. So like I kind of see gratitude as the umbrella And an appreciation as like one of the little pieces in the umbrella to show gratitude. Do you think you have to have an understanding of gratitude in order to give appreciations? I think appreciations come from a place of gratitude. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it's, I appreciate that you took the trash out and that's being grateful that you don't have to do that. Or I appreciate that you're willing to 
hold my hand or whatever it is. Like there's that gratefulness piece that's underlying and it's the appreciation is just the expression of that gratitude. I mean, but gratitude in and of itself can be an entire practice and appreciation is only a component of that. I'm really glad that you explained it that way. Because if I think about gratitude as a practice, yeah, I can see where you can do a lot more with it than just sheer appreciation. I mean, and I think that within that practice of gratitude and by using appreciations, like they, it really can impact our integrity by allowing us to live more authentically from our core self rather than from old wounding. I mean, although like, Sometimes our appreciations can be the result of wounding because of the the things that we find important, Mm. but it's allowing us to see the positive side of someone showing up for us and allows us to move beyond the, the adaptation piece of that wound into that joy and gratitude that is a part of that core self. So I kind of see it as being able to tap in to the core self through the lens of a potentially old wound. So what I'm hearing you say is that we get to tap in to the old wounds and utilize them to cultivate gratitude to connect to our core selves. Yes. Thinking of the five love languages. If we long for physical touch and the wound was, I was never hugged. Like I really long for those things. Then having someone hold our hand, it's a way of, in some cases, meeting a need and kind of surpassing the wounded piece into the core self. And Josh, I like how you're saying that because you're inviting us to hold both things at once. The woundedness that might cause us to desire something more, like being held or touched, and the gratitude that we get to acknowledge when that happens. Yes. And I think that is opening up to that vulnerability into our core selves. And it's very intentional to know that both things are happening at once and that we can move forward with both things. That ties into my definition I found for integrity. And it comes from like the state of being whole and undivided. And so if we think about holding both things, the woundedness and the gratitude or the possibility or like whatever words that make sense to us, we no longer divide ourselves into only experiencing pain or only seeking happiness. And that is a much more stable road to look forward to driving on, building, and utilizing instead of only the painful one or only the idealistic one. And as I was like learning more about the concept of integrity, it did note involving like internal consistency, which for me connects back to creating that stability. And that when there is a conflict, you account for the discrepancy. And that goes into like what we're talking about, 
holding the wounded part of ourselves and the intentional part that seeks to experience joy, gratitude, love, and offers that invitation for them to be together instead of separate. I mean, it's the consistency. Right. I mean, it's about being intentional. It's about putting connection before the fear. Putting connection before the fear. Or maybe even inviting the connection while you're fearing. I mean, and that's usually what's going to be the case. So Josh, can I share an appreciation with you today? Yeah. And just to give insight into like the internal world for people, like in me wanting to give you this appreciation, I'm also fighting with other parts of myself that have nothing to do with you. Sure. I'm fighting with, well, did I say everything I wanted to? What time is it? What's next? And, and I want that act or that pattern to be created with you that you know I appreciate you. So my appreciation for you today in this moment is that I am so thankful of your thoughtfulness and how you teach things and break them down for people in order for them to have an even deeper understanding of connection. What I heard you say is that you appreciate how thoughtful I am and how I break things down so people can have a deeper understanding of connection. Mm -hmm. Yay, thank you. You're welcome. And I will share an appreciation with you. I appreciate how you are able to take ideas and make them super succinct and make them make more sense. (laughs) So you appreciate me in being able to take ideas and make them super succinct. Yes. Thank you. Or I would be rambling for three hours, not getting to a point. (laughs) And how I write. (laughs) But yeah, that is the end of our safety series. And as always, you can check out our website at stillpointhealing.com. You can email us at so you can heal at stillpointhealing.com. You can check out our Facebook and Pinterest page at stillpointhealing. And you can check out our Instagram at so you can heal. And hope you guys have a good week. Bye.